It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he stops robbing his home. the last few moments but the addicts have fallen short and league one awaits and that is just the start of it welcome to charlton live So hello and welcome to Charlton Live. My name is Louis Mendes. I hope you guys are well on this week's show, the final show of the uh, elongated uh, 1920 season. Uh, we unfortunately will be talking about the fact that the addicts have dropped back into League One uh, and all the other problems that are going on off the pitch as well. It's not going to be a happy show, but hopefully we'll get lots of our chess. Joining me uh, to do that, finally, I can actually do a show with someone in person because the uh, lockdown rules are slightly uh, loosened and you're allowed one other household in your house. I've invited Mr. Benji Cloak to join me in my kitchen. How you doing, Ben? Good afternoon, yes. Very good, Louis. Bit, bit of, of a tough week. <laughs> yeah, I think today's weather kind of sums up my mood, really, about football, but... yeah. 
time to move on and we've looked we've got what six weeks to the start of the new season so yeah don't remind us yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty soggy in sig cup unfortunately uh, this afternoon and our moods are, are no better unfortunately uh, we've also got two more lads joining us on the phone of course we've got mr tom wallen how you doing tom how you feeling after the relegation um i'm getting there i'm getting there it's taken a few days um but yeah i, I could be better but could be worse. Yeah, and another man who I'm sure will feel very much the same is uh, Mr. Mark Newbury. How you doing, Mark? No, I'm all right, mate. I mean, like our esteemed colleague, Mr. Terry Smith, you know, I've got a few more extra years of support in Charlton over you boys. So it's happened a few times to me, you know, and with everything, you know, is it pointless getting too, too low now? Yes, it is. Yeah, well, yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. We have got a few extra years on us. Hopefully, we've all got a few extra years watching Charlton. Uh, although, with the, the, the current state of the team, of, or of the situation off the pitch, I guess we're, we're not really sure. So, of course, we will talk about, on, on this week's show, the, the mess, the confusion, uh, the suspicion off the pitch at the moment. Um, but we'll, we'll start off talking about the football. We're going to hear the highlights in a second, Ben. Um, but, you know, when everything that's gone on this season and obviously we, we got absolutely battered up at Leeds but when we went into that last minute two minutes and it looked like we were going to get away with it to have that snatched away cruelly by a, a last minute Barnsley goal um, I mean you can see how much it affected Lee Bayer and it affected all of us the same that was that was really hard to take yeah ultimately disappointed uh, with our own game as I think you were commentating on the time with your tweeting and and you said you'd stop watching the, <laughs> the Leeds-Charlton game because it didn't matter anymore. And we were all looking at the Barnsley-Brentford game. It's just, oh, crazy. Who would have ever thought that come down to Brentford needing to win to get promoted? 1-1 one, one, going in the last few minutes and Barnsley nick a goal. Mm. Yeah, absolutely got it. The game must have been so open at that point. That there, was, there was always a chance that someone would, would score and you were just praying it would go one way. Um, Tom, I mean, it, we, we always said in, in the build-up, to the to the game, it, it was going to be a roller coaster. I mean, I, I, I think it was you who said on on last week's show in in midweek that it would come down to a a last minute leveler or a last minute winner for someone, and and obviously that turned out to be the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't take any pleasure in being right, um, <laughs> but normally do. Like you, it got. To, I think it must have been about fifty minutes into our game, just after half time. I can't remember when they got a goal shortly after after the break when, when we probably had our best spell of the game, which isn't saying much. And um like you, I had uh, our game on T V, put it on mute and had um Sky Sports on, on my iPad and just followed all the other stuff from there and yeah, I mean, I've gone through all the emotions like everyone else and I'm sure we'll talk in a little bit more detail about all the reasons that we've gone down, the ones that we're responsible for and the ones that were, were out of the team's hands. But when you when you look at all of that and you go, despite everything, we were, what, a couple of minutes away from staying up? It's it's very cruel. It is very cruel. Um, it, I, I've really struggled with it and I think it's... It feels like it's more than just relegation this time with everything else that's going on that we're going to have to talk about. Um, and I hope I'm wrong. But um, yeah, just it was it was absolute heartbreak at the end. Absolute heartbreak. Um, really, really tough one to take. Yeah, sorry if you heard the door creaking there. Sorry, the cat was trying to uh, get in <laughs> into the kitchen. Uh, Mark, um, you know, we, we, we said a lot, of, a lot of what was going to happen on Wednesday was going to happen elsewhere, but... 
I guess something has to be said about the fact that we got absolutely battered by Leeds United. You know, two weeks ago, Barnsley went there and, and, and only lost 1-0. We're unlucky. Is that it, could we have done more on, on, on the evening in hand? Or were Leeds just too good for us? Oh, you can always do more. Um, we, we said in the previous show, you know, you can't rely on any other team. You have to do it yourself. Um, I think you probably picked for the right team. Uh, the first, I think once the first goal went in, I mean, you saw... You, all you saw was 11 people's shoulders drop. And that was that was probably the most disappointing thing. But we, you know, and when Doughty had a chance when he was through and you're thinking, OK, he gets it back to 2-1 and we can maybe push on and he rolls it past. And, but it was, it was a body language after that first one went in was I was like, well, oh, that's it, it's all over. And you're thinking, that's, that's not normally a Bowyer team. It's not normally a team which has got someone like Cullen and Pierce and, you know, people can G up and say, right, come on, it's, it's one, we can get that one back. And I think once the second one went in, that was it. You know, the Leeds keeper could have probably brought a book out for the second half. <laughs> he wasn't going to be doing much. Well, in fairness, we, we were probably better after after the break uh, in, in terms of chances created, but uh, we, we didn't find the back of the net. And like I say, I did spend the majority of that second half, um, uh, well, listening to, to the Brentford game, our own BBC London coverage. I had that put into my, into my headphones and they kept coming to ask me what was happening in our game. And I was going straight back and asking what was happening in theirs, because unfortunately that was more important to us. Um, let's have a listen back to how the evening went then over on Valley Pass. It was a roller coaster of emotions. We were in, we were out, we were back in. That's the way it went, unfortunately, in the relegation zone. Your commentators over on Valley Pass for the last time this season were Greg Stubbley and Terry. He's going to send this long, which means uh, McGeady can't go for this, but Bond does. Oh, surely White's all over uh, Bond there. Nothing given. Blackburn beating Luton. Cullen. Down to the right of Matthews and, yes, Blackburn beating Luton. Who saw that one coming? Well, a long way to go, yeah. But <laughs> Indeed. It's a good start. It's a deeper one into the centre. Bond with a head of clearance, but it'll run through to Dallas. Will he take the shot? No, he goes back out to Hernandez. Hernandez taking on Bond. On the outside, ball across. Flicked away by Phil, but it drops to the edge. Shot into the top corner. I think that's... Ben White, the centre-half, who's launched that into the top corner. Unstoppable strike. And leads a 1-0 up. Inside to Hernandez. Lovely ball on the pound here. Picks out Dallas with a shot and it's in. Hernandez with one of the best assists of the season. We spoke about Dallas picking the pockets of Charles defence. And this time he gets there first and just toe-pokes it into the corner. Nothing Phillips could do about that one. Charlton 2-0 down. It just had Charlton defenders rooted to the spot. That Hernandez ball, it went straight through the legs. I didn't see who it was, actually. He went through the legs of. But nobody was uh, prepared for it. And found Dallas in the six, edge of the six-shot boxes. Only, only had to just toe-poke it past Dylan Phillips, who had no chance with it. And it looks like we're going to spend the evening looking at other results. Well, Luton have equalised against Blackburn, but as it stands with Wigan's deduction, Charlton's still out of the relegation zone. And Leeds have a free kick in a, in a promising position. Reminder, as it stands... We're going to 1-0 up a Fulham, a home to Fulham. That um, changes, changes things, things hugely. As it stands, Charlton are in the relegation zone regardless of Wigan's 12-point deduction. Alioski headed it away. And I've got more bad news. Luton are now beating Blackburn 2-1. 
So you need Blackburn to come from 2-1 behind and for Wigan to concede against Fulham. I've got even more bad news, unfortunately. Barnsley are now winning against Brentford. It wasn't a mountain before for it's Charlton. going swimmingly, isn't it? And is now showing side by click and click reads it really well. And there is the half-time whistle here. It's the worst possible half possible for Charlton, if we're being honest, comes to an end. Not only do they find themselves two goals behind, results elsewhere means that even if they were drawing this match, it wouldn't be enough. Wigan, Luton and Barnsley all winning. Pairs to swing in for Leeds. Decent look at delivery. It's a free no, header too easy. for Tyler Roberts. And it's free for Leeds. Far too easy, I'm afraid. For all of Leeds' quality for this match, that's a goal. That was just of the most simple. Just a quarter. Finds Roberts, the substitute. And almost seals. But there is news. Fulham have levelled at Wigan. A long ball by a strike forward towards Paveda. Paveda controls. He's got Shackleton in the middle. And Shackleton finishes. And it's 4-0. Jamie Shackleton. Oh, great lead to move, Paveda the substitute, just slots it inside for the fellow substitute to make it four. Quick roll out to Lockyer, which was Brentford a goal. little bit hospitalised. Oh, Brentford seemed to have scored. And it changes once again as uh, Matthews tries to tee up Cullen. Good sliding in challenge from Dallas and Leeds have it back. So, strike in midfield. Goes backwards to White. White goes, uh, well, he tried to go out right uh, first to... Stryken, who then tried to tee up Pervader, but they got that all wrong and it's out of play. And Brentford have equalised against Barnsley, and we're back <laughs> in the melting pot, people. Josh Davis, uh, sorry, Josh Davis, Josh De Silva with the goal. Always liked him. Could be a huge, huge goal, more ways than one. It currently stands with the uh, Wigan 12 point penalty. Charlton are back out of the relegation places. It's, it's one touch, it's knowing, it's knowing everything. Is there a word coming in? Oh, no. As we prepare to take the goal kick, the signs on the bench don't look good. Hands on heads. There's been a goal elsewhere. I'm just trying to find out who. Taylor Phillips sends the ball away. Flicked on by Green, but straight to a white shirt. Ball down Barnsley. Barnsley. Back to Dylan Phillips, who sends it away. And yep, Derby I've got to score, but I haven't got the Barnsley one up yet. Barnsley are two one up. And with minutes to go, you feel, if that is the case, then Charlton's fate is sealed. I know we're ahead of matches here. Um, I think we're, we're actually the furthest one ahead, but I've got no idea how long is left at Griffin Park. Still hasn't flashed up on my score sheet, I have to say. So, oh yeah, now it has. Yeah, Barnsley are winning. So Charlton back in the relegation places with seconds, minutes to go here. Seconds to go here, I should say. Ten, in fact. And there is the final whistle. But it's not about what's happened here. It's about what's happening elsewhere. And currently, Charlton are in the bottom two. No news. We've huddled over phones and tablets down there below us as we are here.
Waiting for news. Wigan and Fulham have finished one all. It's all over. Two one. I'm hearing news that it is all over at Griffin Park. Yeah, and Brentford have lost against Barnsley, and so our fate is sealed. Sadly. Charlton will be playing in League One next season. So there we go then, Ben. You can hear the dejection in, in Greg and Terry's voices. I mean, Greg, Greg when, that, when that winning Barnsley goal went in, I, it sounded to me like he was reading off the uh, reaction from the bench. because So uh, Brett, the analyst, was, me and Greg and Terry were at completely different ends of the, of the gantry to each other. Uh, but Brett, the analyst, was sat next to me. So we were feeding the scores down to the bench. And, you know, when, when, when Brentford equalised with 15 minutes left, told Brett, he told Andy Marshall, and I saw Marsh punching the air and you could see how much it meant to him. But then when, when, when Barnsley scored in that last minute and, and it's fed down there and you can just see everyone with their heads in their hands and yet they know, you know, it's been taken away from them literally 10 seconds before the end of our game and uh, maybe two or three minutes before the end of Barnsley. And, uh, and it was just utter dejection because we, we were so close and to, to have been at the start of the season you know with all the predictions about our budget and where we were going to finish rock bottom to say the fact well we got it down to the last 10 seconds well I guess that is something of an achievement but it doesn't really feel like that when when the final whistle goes and you find yourself back in league one yeah as well as you mentioned the staff there I'm devastated for the staff because they've they've put it all in you can't knock the the lot of team that we've had to try and help us on the field this season They've given it their all. And look, we've been in the relegation zone twice, the whole of the 46 games. And um, Crawley gets taken away from us on that last on the last game. But yeah, oh, it's just gutting really when you think about it, how close we were and how much Boyer and Jacko put in. And you heard that from Boyer's TalkSport interview the next day. He was just, yeah. I've never heard him like that before. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll hear from Lee Bayer later on in the show, and that was his interview straight after the game. And I thought he, he sounded pretty down then, but it was even worse the, the next morning, I guess, when, when reality is really, uh, re- really set in. Um, it sort of sums up, Tom, the luck that we've had this season, that it is a team that scored two last-minute goals. Barnsley, in their last two games, scored two last-minute goals to get themselves over the line. When we've suffered so often in, in, in the last minute and we haven't seen games out, and you know, this is clearly one of the things we can blame ourselves for because you've got 11 men out there on the pitch who are probably good enough to go and grind out the results that they, they didn't at times, and we missed our chances as well. And then you see a team like Barnsley who did do that, who did grasp the nettle and go on and score those two last-minute goals, and, and, and it costs us. Yeah, yeah, and I mentioned previously that there were obviously a number of reasons where we where we went down. Um, obviously, the the officiating and some of the decisions we've had played a part for sure. Um, all the stuff off the pitch, so ESI, Roland, the embargo, the injuries, Lyle, Solly, all of that stuff. But then when you look on the pitch, you know I only jotted some down, but Millwall away, Birmingham away, obviously a few weeks ago, Sheffield both home and away, Huddersfield at home. Hull at home, Bristol away. Um, there was a long, long list of times where we've either been drawing or, or winning going into the final stages of games and we've thrown it away. And I know that you can, you know, you keep saying what if, what if, what if. Um, but that, that's the truth of it is, you know, we have been so close to finishing 
you know, comfortable um, in this league uh, and we haven't done it. And I think that's the other reason that, that it hurts is because we we came up and, you know, we were excited to be back up and it was such a dream to, to go up through the playoffs at Wembley the way we did. And you, you almost took this season as a free hit because of the wage restrictions we were going to be under and everything. And then when we started the season the way we did, you thought, well, actually, let's not take this as a free hit. I know we've got the lowest wage budget. I know this and that. But actually, we, we've shown we can compete. And so to compete for so long, and I know if you look at our record from what was it, October onwards, then it, it doesn't read pretty. Um, but we'd shown we could compete and there were factors in, in that decline. Um, and as Benji says, it wasn't like we were just slumped at the bottom even, even during all of that run. The points that we put on the board, which still count, by the way, in, in August and September, kept us above that relegation zone for such a long time. Uh, and to go down to that final minute and to just it be out of our hands, as you say, we could have done something at Leeds and we didn't. Um, and then to have it just snatched away like that, it just it just felt so cruel. And, and I said it on Twitter that this relegation hasn't, of course, being on the pitch has played a part, but it's not just on the pitch is, is why we've got relegated. You say the same for both the other teams that have gone down. And that hurts because, as, as Benji said there, the staff and the players, they, they gave everything, it feels like, and, and they just came up short. And they haven't had the right backing. That's That's the truth of it. And... We have to take that and we go down and hopefully we're allowed into League One next season and, and we can start again and, and try and rebuild. But the future is very uncertain and, and it's just so cruel to, to be taken away so late on in the manner that it was. Yeah, I think that, that was one of the part of, of, of why it's so painful on on Wednesday evening is because of, of what comes next. Um, is it's, it's a mystery and the, the club is surrounded once again, you know, as, as it has been by... Incompetence and now suspicion as well. There's there's a lot of people involved and uh, where, where where questions will be asked of their motivations. You know we've seen how unhappy fans have been recently. You know the the uh, uh, the, the fan who confronted uh, Chris Farnell and Paul Elliott outside the stadium a few weeks ago. You know as we talked about that on the show at the time, it shows how upset people are. Um, and, and I don't think any, you know, we can see people are getting more and more suspicious of, of what's going to come next. And we'll, we'll certainly be focusing on that more uh, later on in the, in the show. Just, just the evening itself, Mark, um, it, it was a roller coaster. You know, when early on we saw Luton go a goal down against Blackburn and we're thinking, all right, here we go. Maybe it's actually going to be quite a comfortable uh, evening's work. But not long after, we, we were a goal down. Luton equalised. Wigan went a goal up. Luton then went 2-1 up. And then just before half-time, Barnsley took the lead. And, and you're fearing the worst. So then at the start of the second half, uh, Fulham get one back at Wigan. You're like, okay. Luton start to run away with it, unfortunately. So you sort of start to write them out of the equation. And then you're just thinking, right, we just need Brentford to score. And when Brentford to score with 15 minutes left, I thought, right, I mean, hopefully hopefully that's it. But then you're going into the closing stages and until that full-time whistle goes, you, you never know what's going to happen. Um, I mean, it, it was a roller coaster evening worth of events, Mark. How, how did you follow it? And, and what, what were your fears? I mean, was there any point in the evening where you thought, actually, we're, we're going to do this, we're going to be okay? No. <laughs> in all honesty, um, I, I thought, like I, say, once, once, like I said to you, once I saw that, 
bad body shape. I didn't think we would get anything from Leeds. Um, I think every Luton player should go out and buy a lottery ticket because once they went one down, they then Blackburn then got two own goals and gave away oh, a soft, soft penalty. One which we we would never have got. Mm. You know, if a referee had been if it had been referee our game, we'd never got that. But they got that, and you know, fair play to them. I mean, I've been saying how good I thought Brentford were, and I said. Before the show, I thought Brentford was the best team in our division, and they turned up and played like us, unfortunately, yeah. against them. I'm going to have to put Barnsley. you on the, spot, um, on the spot now, then, Mark, because. Um you know, you, you mentioned on, uh, on 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 the midweek show last week that you didn't think Leeds were all that, and I, I, they certainly didn't play that well at the Valley when we beat them by a goal to nil. But I think, um, having seen what we saw against uh, against us on Wednesday evening, I mean, they, they look the real deal. So um, that that must have been quite a hard one to take. Well, yes and no. I mean, I, I still stand by it. I mean, I, I think in previous seasons, when you've seen people come up from the Championship and they've absolutely romped it, I mean, I think it was, it was literally only in the last couple of games because West Brom were drawing and the team were low. No one was getting any results. They, they almost won it by default. Um, they, 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 they truly haven't impressed me. Um, so, and I, I think they'll, they'll struggle. They can say about having all the fans and whatever next season. Um, I just think that they're going to find that step up a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit difficult for them. I mean, like, not like Norwich did the season before. I'm going to have to find the Twitter fan who tweeted the show. I didn't tell you about that. After 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 the show during the week, there was an, a Leeds fan who weren't too happy with what you said about Leeds, but um, every every opinion counts. But to be fair, they, they were very good on uh, on Wednesday evening, and, and that's what, um, well, it certainly didn't make it any easier for us. Ben, do you, do you think we could have done more against them? Alfie had his chance, didn't he? I guess it was hard, because the way we played uh, the game before, I uh, can't even remember what was the game before. Against Wigan? Against Wigan, yeah, sorry. Um Josh Davison, as we said, played really well, but maybe that game was a bit too much for him. The pressure off it, I just felt those two were quite isolated and they, they were trying to chase down Leeds players who can just play one-touch football around us and we, we seemed a bit lost. And look, Their first guy was an absolute screamer, wasn't it? I mean, Dylan got a hand to it and it still went in the top corner. And yeah, as, as we said, Mark may, may differ, but look, they were the best team in the league this season. They're champions. Brentford under pressure, couldn't come up with the goods so Leeds look they played us off the park didn't they and and we were trying to focus on other results to to go our way and unfortunately it didn't yeah that's that's the championship all over wasn't it the three teams chasing that second place none of them won the game which is crazy and obviously uh some of the teams down there trying to escape relegation did uh but that's uh, obviously j- just the way it goes um Tom we're going to hear from Lee Bowyer next but before we do um I think I mean you, you, we've all heard Heard it already. In comes Solly the cat again, and um, I mean Tom. Obviously, Bo's hurting, and, and what what happens next with him? And, and maybe we'll discuss it a bit more in in, in full after after we've heard it. But um, I, I do worry about what comes next for him because sure, surely there has to be a stage where he he says that enough is enough. Uh, I'd be amazed if he's our manager next season. To be honest with you, um, because. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about it just at home after the game and I was kind of saying, well, why would you stay? Like, why would you stay after that? And I know he loves the club and I know he says he's been loyal and I think every fan will be grateful for what he's done for us. I know there are some calling him out tactically, which I think is madness given what he's had to put up with, but I just don't see why you would you would want to put up with that. And unless this the AFL sort the ownership out very, very soon, 
and he has assurances that the right people are in charge and they are going to back him. I, I just don't see why you'd stay. He's not going to be short of offers. I don't think this season is going to reflect badly on him at all. Um, and what worries me is, you know, especially given, you know, the roles that, that you have in, in working with BBC and stuff, there are things that we know about the ownership. And he's coming out after an interview and saying there's stuff that's gone on that no one knows about. You think, well, how bad can it be? Because a lot of what's happened on the ownership has been played out on social media. So even just a lot of a lot of fans have seen a lot of the stuff that's gone on. And yet there is stuff going on that, that even he is just shocked about. He's had his hands tied behind his back. I, I would obviously be gutted if he goes um, because I think he's done a brilliant job for us but I just don't think he doesn't deserve it you know I think he deserves a crack at a club that are going to support him it's the same problem we had with Chris Powell you know and, and it's just come around again um, and it would just be such a shame because he had a real chance just like Powell he did to, to build something here with the right backing and once again I think he just feels let down and, and I don't blame him yeah tough one to take let's have a listen then to Lee Bayer's post-match press conference. The audio quality isn't great because, uh, as you'll hear, while we're trying to do the interview, obviously I'm sat up on the gantry and um, Lee Bayer's down somewhere in a room somewhere in the in the bowels of Ellen Road. Uh, Leeds were being presented with a trophy, so we were stuck, sat, sat there having the most depressing, saddening chat, having been relegated in the last minute. And just in my eye line, I saw Leeds celebrating their, their massive achievement of, of, of reaching the Premier League for the first time in 15 years. So it was such a, a juxtaposition of, of how people were feeling. But this is what Lee Bayer had to say after we got relegated up at Ellen Road uh, on Wednesday evening. As you can hear, he was not in the uh, best of moods. not happy. Because we were relegated and I just said to the players, it ain't, ain't because it's a night's game. It's because the, since coming back from lockdown, we've been the better side in most of the games. And uh, that's what's cost us. Um, we should have been safe before we even came here tonight. But we wasn't. And uh, so I'm disappointed, obviously, getting relegated. It's, it's never a nice thing, thing to happen. So... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not in a good place at the moment. Sorry, I'm playing the music really loud. I don't know if, if you can hear me. I just know it's, it's one of the frustrations that they've come. You, you've had your chances over the course of the season. The things have gone against you so much. The, the injury crisis, the ridiculous January transfer window. That you know, if, if things have gone differently, perhaps with things off the pitch and the injury problems that John had as well, that you could have quite comfortably stayed in this division. Yeah. If you cut corners, then this is what happens. So there's there's only so many things you can do, and there's only you can cut corners for so long. But this is what happens when you cut corners, and and even then we still fought to the last day, um, and we should have still been safe. Like I, I believe that. I believe that with, with the group of players we've got, we should have still been safe. But that didn't happen. And um, with the chances we've created in, in the games of late, we should have won at least two of them, probably three of them. Uh, decisions that went against us. Adam Wiley apologised to me again um, on Monday. But I said to him, like, big decisions 
can cost us points. And, and that's what's happened. You know, I mean, you mentioned it about the, the cutting of corners. I mean, I know you, you've had your hands tied behind your back for the, the entirety of the season. I spoke about that, that January transfer window. Um, obviously, throughout your, your time as general manager, you've had other teams interested in you. You've proven, in my opinion, that obviously you're a manager who can, who can do it at, at this level. Does Charlton's relegation change your feelings about your, your, your situation with the club at all? Because I'd be surprised if people don't come in for you during, during the summer and, and Charlton's ownership crisis doesn't look like it's going to go any better anytime soon. Yeah, I, I didn't really get much of that, but I think the gist of it, what you were saying, I, I got, and I don't think it's the time to talk about whether other clubs will be interested in myself. I don't think it's the right time to talk about things like that. Um, I've been loyal. I, I know that. I, I've definitely been loyal. Um, could have left on more than one occasion. And, and I'm glad I stayed. I'm glad I stayed, so... We'll have to see what happens in the summer. Yeah, so, sorry about tonight, but obviously, um, I, I just wanted to see. I mean, you, you mentioned it a bit there, but there has been so much speculation that maybe you could go um, because of the kind of conditions you've worked under. Can you, you can't? Can you give any assurances? Obviously, you're under contract, but that depends how you feel about things, doesn't it? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a hell of a lot of things, Rich, that I, I've not been happy with, and. Um, and, and and more things of late re recently have, have, have happened this even made me even more so not not happy with with things that are happening here um but i love the club um like i said i've, I've been loyal and um and, and i gave my all and right to the to the end there you know we've what they scored in minutes ago or something. So, um, but now it's not the time, Rich, to, to talk about my situation. At the end of the day, we've got relegated and, and we're going to League One. So, um, that's that's not good. How big is that challenge in League One, Lee? Because you've got obviously players coming out of contract, quite a few, quite a few loan players going back. I suppose it's too early to really think about it to some degree, but you're still digesting what's happened tonight. Yeah, what I do know is we're still under an embargo, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, so yeah, uh, again, it's too early to start. Who's staying? Who's going? But there's it's going to be obviously a lot of them that go uh, to try and work miracles again, like we did last summer, in probably half the time. I don't know. I don't know. Even though it's going to be possible to bring in enough players, and and again, that's if we're allowed to. I don't. Know. I don't know what what's happening behind the scenes, but it's just been crazy, Rich. Like obviously, you know a lot of the stuff that's been going on. It's just it's just crazy. It's just, it's just not normal. Well, you as well. Obviously, just going on tonight. Um emotionally how do you kind of feel it's difficult asking you that in this scenario but you said that you're obviously hurting aren't you because you achieved so much getting Charlton up and now you find yourself back you know back in that third tier yeah 
um, I'm hurting because I just don't like losing games. And 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 the way we've we've gone down, the way we've been relegated, that hurts me even more because we should have won games, Rich. Like you've been at the games, we should have won enough. We should have had enough points easily to keep us in the division easily. And and that's what hurts me. It's not like we've been see like today. They was by far on a different level to us. By far. There was no comparison from from the two teams today. And and that's why they're going up. Um but in the other games, it ain't been the case. And that's what hurts me more than anything, because it was in our hands and, and we didn't grab it. We didn't grab that. That's me. Even with all the other crazy stuff that's been going on, and and and, and at times I just felt like that this job was impossible. It became impossible at times. Even when you've had all that, you still got the chance to stay in the division, and we never grabbed it. That's what hurts me more than anything. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers there. And it's John. Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr. The absolute German beauty. Woo! Dreamland. Charlotte have scored! With seconds remaining! We've done it all! Get in! Come on! What a time to be a hero! Here at Wembley! Oh my word! Oh my word! Charlton Live. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. That was Lee Bayer then speaking after Wednesday's relegation back to uh, League One. Mark, he was absolutely devastated. Um, First of all, I mean, the frustration is in his voice mainly because we could have stayed up and that we had, even with everything that's gone on off the field, he had moulded a squad that had probably just, well, probably more than enough to stay up if the injury crisis and, and, and what happened in terms of players leaving didn't happen, the January transfer window, if that didn't happen, all of that, taking it away, we, we probably still could have stayed up. And you can hear the frustration in his voice that, that, that in reality, we, we, we threw it away. No, I think it comes down to it was a single point and he knows that and he can look at half a dozen of the games like we have and say, if only, if only. Um, I agree with Tom 
you know, I'd be amazed if he was there. He, he deserves he deserves more. Um, in, in one way, over the period where we had all the injuries and we weren't winning, um, any other club, he'd, he'd have been he'd have been sacked. I think May, nine November and stuff. And you know, he, he he carried on and he got them playing again. And okay, it wasn't it wasn't great, but you know, we turning the odd result out and players were coming back from injury. We started to look a slightly better team. So he knows the frustration for the whole season. I mean, he'll look at it from a playing point of view first, regardless of the clown show that's been going on behind. He'll know that there's moments in the game, and he's played it you know, for many years, there's moments in the game which can define your season. It could be it could be that Bond one-on-one. It could be the last-minute goal Huddersfield scored or something where you're thinking, if, if, if. Um, the fact that it's one point, and, and if we've been relegated bottom, you know, three, four weeks ago or, you know, in, in normal time, I think it's almost probably easier to take, but it's like a single point, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, well, yeah, funny enough, as we were leaving Ellen Road on on Wednesday evening, um, Ollie said to me, oh, you know, this, this obviously feels a lot worse than three, four years ago when we went down. I was like, yeah, it's because we went down about four four games before the end, and and it was it was chaos. This is one. This is a relegation that was avoidable, um, and, and that's what was so hard to take. It also wasn't great that we then had to walk through the thousands of Leeds fans who who turned up at Ellen Road after the game, and uh, Ollie was uh, dressed head to toe in Cholton gear as well. So he was standing there t- turning it all inside out because he just couldn't deal with the the, the stick we'd be getting. But um, cutting corners, Ben, that was mentioned by Lee Bayer. Um, we, we've cut corners as a club for years upon years. Now, Ronan de Chatelet cut corners. Um, ESI 1 cut corners. ESI 2 don't actually own the club yet, so you can't really say they've cut corners, but they sort of have, and I imagine they will if they ever get in, which they probably won't. Um, as a rookie manager like Lee Bowyer, to, to come into a side, you know, get him into the playoffs in his first year and uh, in his first sort of 10 games, really, then... Do do the the trick again and achieve promotion in his second year with his hands tied behind his back, and then to nearly survive in the championship again with his hands tied behind his back, with funds promised in January that that, that never uh, never materialised, with everything that's happened around here, and then with his players uh, deciding not to play towards the end. I mean, he he must think that he didn't particularly want to be a football manager in the first place, but he must have thought there's no way it would ever be this difficult. And he must be one of the most unlucky managers ever having to deal with all this in your first, in your first few years. As you said, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I think it's so bizarre for me that some people are, are calling like his mistakes. This, that's why we got relegated. I mean, as Tom was just saying there, of course you can look at the late goals we've conceded and that's probably, the end of the day, not holding on to those points. It hasn't helped. Uh, so you look back at that and you think, oh, okay, Boyer did make a few wrong calls. But as you said, he's a rookie manager. He's, what, in his third, was that his second full season, yeah. he's done two and a half seasons. I mean, name name one, one team this season that hasn't conceded a goal late on. I'd be shocked, I'd be shocked if there's any. Oh, yeah. And you look at Luton. I remember when... Uh, teams were laughing at Lewin because their keeper kept making mistake after mistake after mistake and people were like why have we bought this guy and then he's turned into having a real good second half of the season I think for me the the main factor which Bo will be guided about he made some really good signings you look at Conor Gallagher you look at Leco, uh obviously Taylor played Lockyer played really well uh, another good signing uh, Taylor look at the start of the season it was all going so well and you thought wow we're looking really good 
and that's how unlucky it was. We lost Taylor on Montserrat duty. We lost Gallagher to go back to Chelsea, who ends up at Swansea. We lost Leco at QPR. Those, for me, were the factors. And, and someone like Kai Al, I remember when we got him, we were like, wow, oh, here we go. Look, got Kai Al and Hemed from Brighton. Things are looking up. And it just, as you said, Boyer must be one of the unluckiest managers there is. You look at January, we think we have funds. We got Aidan McGeady, who David Davis, who I didn't think performed for us. McGeady showed signs, but nothing major. And it just, yeah, just if he to get to one point away from staying up, it must be so gutting for him. And he didn't deserve that. I know he made a few mistakes, but as you said, every manager has this season. And if we would have had a bit more goals in the side, which we had with Gallagher, Leco, and Taylor earlier on in the season. Think we would have been fine if we had those players going into the end. Yeah, that, that's that again. That's how sort of how, how tight the margins have been for us uh, this season, Tom. So so we we, we come back to to Bowie then. Um, my the indications I was getting in that interview, and then Ben Ransom from Sky put out soon after that he expects Bo to go to Birmingham. Was, was certainly it, it didn't sound like a man who was certain he was going to stay around. You know, we know he was going to go and speak to to Paul Elliott after that, but. There was this story planted in the media at some point that, that you could get Bowyer for 750 grand compensation. So someone has put that out there. Um, you know, you'd assume from, I was going to say within the club, but I don't know if you count the, the people I'm expecting to be actually be in the club. But, it, you know, Ben Ransom said that pays for two, three more months worth of wages as well. So to me, if I was Lee Bowyer, I would be out of the door like an absolute shot before my name gets dragged through the mud anymore because unfortunately you've got... You, you, you're you trying to achieve things when when it's almost impossible. Yeah, as, as I said before, before we heard from him, I, I don't see what the incentive is for him to stay other than the blind loyalty. And I feel he's given us enough on loyalty already. Um, and, and, you know, it's a quality to be admired, but I just don't see... As, a, he didn't, as you said, he didn't want to be a manager in the first place. He stumbled into it and he seems to be okay at it. But... And he's got good coaching staff around him, but he hasn't had any backing. And I'm sure he's not asking for tens of millions, but he wants to have an owner upstairs who he feels he can go to and say, look, this is what I need to improve the squad. And if I don't get this, we're going to be in big trouble. And he had that conversation before the season had even started, because then when we came into the season, he said, we're going to really struggle. Um, and even through all that purple patch in the first couple of months, he kept saying, yeah, but we're not going to maintain it. And he was realistic or pessimistic, depending how you look at it. Um, and I just think, I just don't see why he would stay. He's got a good relationship with Birmingham fans anyway. Um, as you say, there's the compensation story that's been leaked by somebody. Uh, and you're right in saying that they're not in the club because it doesn't appear that anybody is apart from a couple of people. Um so, yeah, I, I fully expect him to leave. He goes with my blessing. I, I hope he does well wherever he does end up because I just don't think he deserves to be at a club like us anymore. I say I could say the same about Dills and, and Lockie and all those other players that are probably going to leave as well. I just, you know, they gave their all for this season. It wasn't quite enough. I don't understand. They don't owe us anything now. And, and if I was a player and I was a bit concerned about where my next wage packet was coming from, I'd probably jump ship too, and, and I'm not going to blame any of, of them if, I, if they do. Yeah, that was that was a kind of a case of kicking a, a fan base when they're down, wasn't it? When Rich revealed that 
Tom Lockyer has got that relegation clause that means he could he could leave for free on uh, on, on Thursday morning. And I oh, thought, God's sake, I won't even go out of bed yet, Rich. Come on, but um, that was uh, yeah, that was that was a tough one. Right, we got we got a few messages that have come in. I think we'll uh, we'll have a look at, at some of those before we uh, we we go to the next break and then try and concentrate on the mess. Uh, that's going on off the uh, field of play. This one's from Phil. It says, hi, guys. Firstly, can I thank you uh, on behalf of all the listeners for your coverage of all things Charlton this year? Yeah, cheers for that, uh, Phil. That's no problem. Uh, it's been eventful, to say the least. Regarding the football side of things, I've attached these stats, which put us bottom in every department on the pitch, which relegation has confirmed. We've lost the battle on the pitch, the battle for Boya and the championship. However, uh, the war against the parasites and leeches surrounding our club continues. Do Chatelet and ESI have to go? It's, if it's administration we need... Uh, then let's take it and rid ourselves of these people. It's time to reset, rebuild with new owners, with a vision. Whatever the league we find ourselves in, stay safe, guys. Come on, you addicts. That's from Phil. Yeah, and, I mean, the stats show that we are you know, quite low in, in, in chances created or shots had during a game. Uh, we tend to be uh, quite high in, in, in shots, the, allowing the other team to have shots. I mean, but that, that, that has been sort of expected, you know. At the start of the season, you go, you have a team with the lowest budget. That's always going to be the case. And you just hope they have enough fight to, to get you over the line. And, and that's where we came uh, so close. And we're certainly going to concentrate more on the uh, the uh, the leeches, as uh, as Phil put it, which is uh, one way of putting it and probably a, a way I very much agree with and parasites. Um, uh, later on in the show, right, Alex uh, says, uh, Dear Charlton Life, I uh, just want to thank you for the fantastic coverage all season. Cheers, Alex. Um, I can't help but feel we are in the end times of Charlton. I've never seen words from Louis, like we are screwed uh, on Twitter. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did say we're a bit screwed on Twitter after the game against uh, Leeds on Wednesday because I'm looking at who's going to be here next season. Manager, probably not. Half the squad are going. Currently under a transfer embargo. I mean that that that's currently the best of it because also if we don't pass the EFL fit and proper t- test, you know the 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 owners and directors test before the start of the next season, which is only six seven weeks ago then why would they let us start? So it wouldn't make any sense for them to actually let us into the league. And my fear is that we end up like Berry and we end up kicked out of the league. But, well, I hope that does. I hope it doesn't come to that. Alex says, the main thing we all need uh, is to stick together and support a new club if we need to. I'm pretty numb at the moment. This is by far the worst relegation of the five that I've experienced. Yeah, let's rank them, Ben. <laughs> I think of, of all the relegations I've seen, I think, yeah, going down from the Prem was sad at the time. Um Going down into League One twice before was also sad, but this is the one. I guess the last one under Roland, there was a, a worry about what would happen next, but this is now a real, a real concern about what could happen to the club itself next. Well, yeah, that's a worry. The future of the club, I think, when we've been relegated before, okay, with the Roland one, we kind of already knew we were down about three or four games before that one. Uh, when we got relegated from the Premier League, I remember that one where Danny Mills scored last minute, won a Villa and it went through to the final day. That was that was quite hard to take because of such an amazing playoff final in 98. Uh, then we had that other one uh, from the Championship with Pardew <laughs> and, well, and Parkinson, which wasn't fun. But yeah, as you said, it's just the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen and it's such a quick turnaround for next season the EFL being the EFL could easily turn around and just say, do you know what? Look, we don't know what's happening at your club. You, you're not allowed in. And mm. they've done the same with Barry. So 
Yeah, that is that is my main concern ahead of next year. Right, Mike Harrington says, right, time to stop tiptoeing around the Lyle Taylor issue. It's now all over and we can say what we think without worrying about upsetting any current player. Lyle Taylor's scoring record was in the region of one in three, in fact, one in two at times. With nine games to go after lockdown, it would have been reasonable to have expected him to get three goals. We know we made the chances. We saw them adding three goals to our running. would very likely have added at least four points. Eight of the nine games were decided by just one goal. We were one point from staying up. One bloody point. Now, Lyle Taylor, you were signed as a player. You agreed to be our player. You were happy to take the wages when it suited you. So it's fair that we get to say that you deserve, uh, that you deserted your post. You failed us. You let us down. And I sincerely hope, although I very much doubt it will happen, that any club looking at you will take this into consideration when weighing up their options. You now have a track record for disloyalty and I, and I for one, will never forget it. That's good to get it off my chest. And yes, I am bitter from it. That's from Mike. Um, I mean, obviously, like there's plenty of factors in this relegation you know the ownership tom is clearly one of them um poor finishing whatever is is one of them as well because if lyle plays we probably do stay up and and therefore you know the, the decision of those three players we do have to include all three of them but although lyle you know i don't think without any any argument really was clearly that the most important one but lyle chris solly and uh, david davis not playing has affected us and you could argue it's played a big part in us getting relegated 100 percent yeah, he, he's got to take some of the responsibility. I kind of sided with what Boya said. You know, he, he wasn't our player anymore, so we had to just focus on who was here. But I also agree with what Boya said, which was pretty much if, if Lyle was still here, then we probably would have stayed up. And I think I said it at the time when we first did a show, when it got announced that he wasn't coming back, that irrespective of after the 31st of June um, or 30th of June, he had a contract until that point. Uh, and at the very least, I expected him to honour that contract. I think it does show disloyalty. And we've just spoken about what an important quality that is with Boya. Um, I don't think clubs will look at that, unfortunately, because because clubs don't really care about that if it, if it scores them goals. But yeah, he his character has not come out of this well. Um, but beyond that, and, and my focus obviously is on Charlton, that had he been here, he probably would have scored a, a couple of goals and, and potentially kept us up and... There are plenty of other factors that are fed in as well, as you say, so I'm not going to sit here and just rest on that. And I saw lots of people calling him out and feeling angry after the game, and, and I don't blame them for that because I see that point of view. But for me, it's it's a culmination of a lot of bigger issues. And you also think that if ESI, Roland, Tanoon, whoever the hell owned our club in January had offered him a, a decent and respectful contract at that time, then maybe we would have kept hold of him anyway. So... Yeah, I don't think he handled it well um, and I would have liked to have at least seen him stay for his contract because I think he kind of used COVID as an excuse to, to not have to play um, by, you know, if, if the season hadn't had a break, there's no way he would have just decided halfway through with five games left, actually, I'm not going to bother anymore. Um, but, you know, that's what happened. And I think even without that, we still had enough chances in those games to stay up. McCauley Bonner admitted it himself. He could have put a couple of them away. So... That Lyle takes a share of the responsibility, but there are a hundred reasons we went down, um, and and that was just one of them for me. Excellent stuff. Right, um, we're going to go to a break in a second. I just want to say hello to Jonathan West from the Charlton Outbeats as well. He sent us uh, a couple of messages over the last few days. I uh, hope you're doing well, Jonathan. Uh, but yeah, we'll have a quick break here on Charlton Live. When we come back, we'll discuss, well, the massive mess that Charlton Athletic Football Club currently is. Lying beside you. 
Gallagher keeping in for Charlton. He's under a bit of pressure. Flicks it on towards Pierce. Little flick forward towards Williams. Williams He's is offside. Away. Williams in the bounce here. Collects. Williams. Skies past Allen. No, Williams. Oh. Allen. Can Gallagher get on a retrieving ball? He can, but further wide. Gallagher. Ball into Cullen. Cullen. He's got Prattley behind him. Cullen into the bounce area. Cullen still. Ball across goal. Cullen wins. And then he can. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. We're into the final segment on, of uh, well, this season's shows. We are going to be uh, taking a break now. Uh, we managed to go all the way through lockdown when there was no football, which I'm really proud of, but um, I think we do need a break. I'm going away anyway, so I can't do it. So um, if anything major happens between now and whatever the start of the season is, uh, September the 12th, isn't it? Then then maybe we'll come back, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll sort of play it by ear. But certainly going to have a few weeks off now, at least... Um, uh, just to sort of recharge the batteries. This has definitely been the longest what series of Charlton Live <laughs> going. Uh, well, over a year is it? When would uh, yeah, probably yeah, probably exactly a year. I reckon we would have come back around this time uh, for the start of the uh, of, of of last season. So the pre the pre match game before Blackburn would have been probably just uh, just under a year ago. So yeah, nearly a year uh, unbroken shows, which we should be very proud of. But we are going to take a break. So, but obviously before we do that. Um, ben, we need to talk about the, the mess that's, that's going on um, since. So since since relegation, there's there's been a statement, fairly bland statement on the club website from Paul Elliott about how he's going to take this club forward and how disappointed he was. Then we had Chris Farnell, um, the lawyer who represents everybody and nobody at the same time, uh, was on Talk Sports saying he hurts like the rest of of, of the Charlton fans, which is an absolute piss take if we're being honest because obviously he's not a Charlton fan um, if he supported a different club he's been a lawyer at or near or, or for or for someone else and something to do with it he'd support he's basically doing the 92 um, but not in a good way um, yeah so we, we've seen a few vague noises but I think it's clear that the fan base are getting more and more tired with what's uh, going on there's there's been a, a complaint issued uh, against Chris Farnell, and he's actually going to be in, investigated by the solicitor's regulatory authority. Um, does, well, uh, people have said that there may be a conflict of interest in what he's doing because, I mean, he's represented everybody and nobody, it seems, at times, who've been involved with the club over the last few months. You know, he was Matt Southall's representative at one point, had a falling out with him over an unpaid bill, apparently, um, became Tanun Namir's representative. Then he was on the board at the ESI. Um, seemed involved with the club that way then all of a sudden he was trying to sell the club and he was talking to Lawrence Bassini um, according to Bassini he was talking to Hugh Jenkins and then all of a sudden he's on the other side of it and trying to buy the club for Paul Elliott and, and insists that he wasn't representing both parties in this but you know he, he he's said himself he was representing the club at times and then all of a sudden he's representing other parties so it, it's got really confused I mean, Mark, I, I don't know if, I mean, it, as people who aren't solicitors and lawyers, it, it's hard to get into, delve into the, in, deep into this sort of stuff. But at the same time, I mean, we're football fans and we, we know when someone rocks up at Berry, who's previously been in and around Bolton or previously been in and around Blackburn or previously been in and around um, Leeds when they had their dodgy owner. I mean, it, it, it's almost like trouble follows this guy around, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, he's 
one of these people who just thinks, oh, well, football fans, they're all thick builders and, you know, you know, no brain cells, no, they don't understand that most followers of any club is made up of a wide spectrum of individuals with different skills, different abilities, different powers. And you know, it doesn't take long for a lot of the mistruths to be pointed out, saying, well, actually, that's not true. And I think he's a little bit like, oh, um, yeah, no, but you don't know anything about sports. You know, lawyer in sports lawyer. No, there's plenty of people who are involved who actually do know a fair bit about it and can point out. And the big one is one of the most simple things for a, for a lawyer, if there is a conflict of interest of any case, you have to declare it. You'd have to declare it in any legal case to say I have to accuse myself because I actually have, you know, a finger in both parties. Mm. And like he wants to play for both sides and have the referees whistle at the same time and then sit in a stand. It's clear that he denies any wrongdoing. He's been quite vocal on Twitter. He's clearly got time to be on Twitter all bloody day. It seems worse than me um, re- recently. Um, he, he denies there's, there's been any wrongdoing, Ben. But, I mean... When the club has waited this long now and still hasn't passed the EFL owners and directors test again, um, and because of the fact there's very little communication from the EFL on this matter as to why, I mean, that's frustrating. But when, when we've, this is the second time it's happened now that we've had owners here for this long who have failed to pass the test and it's been dragging on a lot longer than you'd expect it to, then of course people are going to be very, very suspicious about what their motives are. And that's before they've, you know, you, you link them with everything else that's, that, that's gone on in, in their past and, and the same names popping up at, at different clubs. I mean, it, uh, Steve Brown said on Radio London this afternoon, it's a massive red flag, a massive red flag. And the the people involved are going to come under such scrutiny. And you've got people at this club, you know, the likes of Rick Everett or the, the fan, I think it's Dan Sayer who, who, who put the complaint in. I mean, the, the supporters trust, Dodger, pe- these people aren't going to be able to rest easy because Charlton fans are going to turn up everywhere. They're going to delve into every little nook and cranny of your history. If you've done something, if, you're, if, you're, if you've got dirty knickers, they will find them and you will, you will be regret the, the day you ever cross Charlton Athletic Football Club. And that, that is what's going to happen next. And therefore you think it's, for ev- it's, it's in everyone's best interest they just get the get out of here and move the club on to someone who wants who wants to own it and, and run it successfully and doesn't seem to have what what some people are assuming are slightly iffy motives. Yeah, you've hit it all on the nail on the head there, mate. It's it's crazy that these guys. You, what are their intentions? Why have why come in and just drag their own names through the dirt and just keep a football club? For the sake of it, like if you've not got the money, if you've not got a mystery backer that we don't know about that's paying the wages, I mean, we just don't know what's happening with that, who's putting the money into it, because it surely isn't Paul Elliott. I well, mean, yeah, I mean, they, they, they say it is. We Everyone has their suspicions, especially if, if it is as to how long he'd be able to do that, because, I mean, with all due respect to Paul Elliott, we don't know enough about him to, to think he's bowling around in helicopters and, you know, like he, he's, he's someone who's got the, the sufficiency of funds to... To, to keep a football league club going like in the championship or in league one again yeah there's there's no communication there's not someone going here's Puelia our new chairman he has got this amount of companies this is how he's funding the club that's what happens this is normally. who's in his consortium yeah <laughs> the, like because that Alan Nixon of the Sun kept saying oh don't worry there is a mystery guy that's involved and you can trust him how we don't know who he is 
And I mean, we've had that happen before when Jimenez and Slater were involved. They had a mystery guy and we saw what happened there. It's just, oh, why are these people doing it? Why are they dragging our name through the dirt? And, and, that, and that's when, people, that's when you, you start to question motives, Tom. Um, you know, because people don't, people don't do it purely just to, just to drag their own names through the dirt or because, you know, they, they, they love Cholton, who they've literally probably never heard of. You know, famously, they don't know where Macros is. I mean, that was, that was uh, you know, the, the line that was on TalkSport the other day. And, and obviously, that was, a couple of people laughed at that. But the fact is, I mean, it shows that these people have no... In, there's absolutely no reason why these people would rock up to try and save Cholton Athletic out, out of the good of their own heart. You know that was meant. That was what 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 was meant by that line on Talksport. They don't know where Macros is because they're not from round here. They've got nothing to do with the club. They've got no ties to the club or the area. They're not doing this out of the good of their own heart, which is why then you've got to start. Ra- I mean, I can't believe some some of the people on on, on social media who was like, "We got to give them a chance." Why? What is that based on? What out of the last five six years has given you the blind optimism to suggest that people come into, say, football clubs because they love the game of football and they're not in it for themselves. I don't understand why people still put their fingers in their ears and think like that. There's not many, but there's some, and it baffles me, Tom. Yeah, I think I, the only thing I can think of is that it's a fear and uh, they can't quite comprehend the fact that we really could be like the next Berry. Uh, that's all I can think of, and particularly from championship, probably from League One upwards now, the the local business owner, um, unless your local is is the United Arab Emirates or the Middle East, your local business owner just doesn't have the money to, to support a club like that anymore, unfortunately, which means that you either get owners who happen to support your club from afar and have a lot of money, which of course is possible, um, or you get people who are prepared to take a punt and get it right and get them into the Premier League and get the money back that way. But aside from that, the only other reason is to try and make money out of the club. And the only way you make money out of the club is, as we've seen in the ways that the, the, the other clubs have gone down, like your berries, is to basically bleed them dry. Um, and that, that's what's happened. And, you know, it's not controversial to say that that's what people are doing because there's proof that that's been done. Whether that's happening at Charlton or not, obviously we can speculate, but we can't accuse them of that until we see. But as you say, what else is Paul Elliott's motive? He's a guy we've never heard of before. He's suddenly pitching up and claiming what? That he's got 50 million that he just wants to chuck into Charlton and if he loses it, he doesn't care? I don't think that's the case um, at all. And I think Rick was said that it's been fronted by a loan, hasn't it? And he suspects or rumours or thinks that perhaps they will take transfer funds out. Um but, I mean, we're going to have to wait to see. But the fact we're even having this conversation shows how precarious Charlton's position is. And you know what? If he comes out and he has put the money in and he does stabilise us and we do do well in League One and he allows Boya to make signings and ties down a contract, at that point, maybe fans will hold their hands up and say, fair enough. But words aren't enough anymore. And the statements... I said it when he put his first statement out. I'm, I'm fed up with statements. I don't need that. I need actions from an owner. And you need to know that you can trust them. And unfortunately, at the moment... There's no proof that we can, um, and and that's what's concerning. And as you said a little bit earlier on, the fact that they still haven't even managed to pass the EFL fit and proper persons test, considering it's the easiest test in the world to pass, you basically just need to be a human and breathe in. 
is the concern that they still haven't managed to pass it because it makes you think, well, what the hell are the EFL looking into that's concerning them so much? Yeah, the fact the fact it's dragged on this long, I think, is is proof enough for me that. I mean, there's a lot that's proof enough for us that we're, again, in a precarious position. And like I said earlier on, Mark, I mean, my, my fear now is that we don't start next season. You know, we, we, if we don't pass EFL fit and proper test, you know, I, I mean, EFL surely have to make a decision soon uh, because this has dragged on long enough. If we don't pass it, then um, why on earth would we be allowed to continue in the league? Now, if, if they come out tomorrow and say, no, they failed it, the ownership reverts to well, it remains with uh, with Southall and with Nimir. Um, then, then what happens? Then does the mystery backer who's been supposedly paying the wages do they pull out? Do we go into administration? How how that affects the the deals for uh, the the ex directors? The the valley is quite complicated. I, I think the ex directors will still get their money, um, but certainly you you basically be trying to pick up a club with with with, with the debts wiped out. And then this is my understanding of it, but still not owning its own stadium, so it's worth it's worth just as little as it is now, really. Um, but at least that would move on move on the, the the current lot in there, and you hope that you know. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about about Andrew Barkley and Peter Varney. If they're the only the only game in town in terms of people who want to take it over, then um, they they sit fine with me because they have got good people vouching for them. But what happens next? The, the next few weeks between now and well, I mean, pre-season, QPR are starting their pre-season in three weeks. That's what Mark Warburton said. Uh, we're not probably going to be in a position to do that because we might not have a manager, we might not have any players. But between now and then, it's, it's, again, it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster ride. And we just pray that we have a football club who's allowed to compete in the EFL, come out of it the other side. Well, knowing how the EFL take their time over everything, I think, and especially with Charlton's luck, what will happen is it will come out next week that Sheffield Wednesday have been deducted 12 points, so we're no longer in the bottom three. And then the day after that, they'll announce that we've going to be out of existence anyway, mm. so we're going to be relegated out of the league totally. So that would be our luck. I mean, that's the typical... How the EFL can run itself in any shape or form and it's it's not just like it's a one-off this has been happening over quite a few seasons now where we've seen clubs struggling with ownerships um, and you think so what, what's going to happen I mean a lot of this and I, I was thinking about this the day after I mean the blame on, on this is all on Duchelet's door um, he was taken in by uh, a couple of people offered him some magic beans because he wanted that miracle amount of money and it, it all went on from there and then like I say they came in and literally bled like you said bled the club dry I mean I would go in and be worrying about all the, all the grass had gone and someone in Manchester's got a very nice lawn at the moment <laughs> um, we, we, how the EFL look at it doesn't reflect well on them I mean <laughs> with no disrespect to Berry because they had been down the bottom of the league for the last few seasons I mean I'd hate to say you know we're a bigger club you know because you know we've Berry is just important to the Berry fans and it's really arrogant to come across like that but we we have got a bit more recent history as such of you know the premiership and everything and we were, we were held up I mean it's not that long ago, it seems like it now, but not that long ago where we were held up as a shining example for clubs to how to run them sensibly, you know, with a steady manager, steady board. You know, I can't see the EFL coming out of this and covering themselves with any glory. Um, I did say last week I thought everything was going to happen after we knew what league we were in. Um, you know, we got relegated Wednesday. You know, there'll be businessmen, let's say, I mean, Barclay and Varney, 
I think that's the wish and the hope of everybody because they, they think, you know, they might go and say to Roland, look, you know, you're the one who's going to have to deal with this. We will offer you X amount because that's what the club is worth in League One now. You know, you can take it or you can be drawn out and go and have zero. Because if you go into administration, you're going to get zero. Mm. So, or we can pay you what we think it's worth. And I think, you know, that's the way to look at it. I think people in the middle have just been literally just trying to milk that magic cow for themselves for as much as possible. So I think that's, they've just been dealing with the wrong people, unfortunately. And the EFL, like I say, you know, you got to be human and breathing. But even then, I think that's probably two more requirements than the EFL are actually looking at. I mean, <laughs> I said earlier on Twitter, I think, as long as they get their long lunches and backhanders, they'll just look the wrong the way for everything there and, we you know, go. there'll be more clubs in trouble yeah you know, that's because of this 19 there will be a lot more clubs in trouble so the EFL is just going to they're going to put a rod to their back if they put us out of existence I guarantee you by Christmas possibly there'll be another six clubs who will have gone out of business because that's the way you know business football clubs are being run now yeah, well, on that cheery note, I think we should bring... I mean, that's that's the way it is, though, and it's a depressing show and it's a, a depressing end to the show. Uh, but that is, I think, I think that's where we should we should call it a day now, the end of the uh, the, the show. Uh, the end of Chapman Live for the uh, 2019-2020 season, which has gone on forever, but we finally got to the end. Unfortunately, it's ended in heartbreak and it ends in massive, massive uncertainty uh, for the club uh, going forward as well. Uh, by the time we come back, who knows where we'll be um hopefully we'll be we'll be in a lot healthier of a position but i'm certainly not making uh, any promises right i want to thank everyone who's listened uh, to the show uh, throughout the course of the season i want to thank everyone who's uh, appeared on the show uh, as well throughout this season i thank the chaps who are with me now so thanks to uh, to mark and to tom on the phone for good to have you guys cheers uh, you're welcome cheers guys and uh, thanks of course to Benju's in the kitchen with me I hope you've enjoyed it yeah thank you for the couple of beers as well is that? yeah definitely that's the only thing that's keeping us cheery at the moment but that is uh, the end of the show uh, thanks to those of you who've listened throughout the season thanks to, to those of you who've emailed and tweeted and, and whatnot throughout the season as well put posts on the forum as well it's really helped us get over the line um, especially when we've had like a really boring nil-nil draw or something just people are sending messages but it helps us Helps us uh, finish it off. Right, so I've been Louis Meadows. Thanks for listening. We've got our end of season montage coming up now. I hope you enjoy it. You probably won't because it's been a crap season. <laughs> but this is how uh, the uh, 1920 season has played down on Charlton Live. We'll see you later. In another fascinating summer here at the Valley. Good evening and welcome back to Charlton Live. The 2019-20 season is underway. Need to swing this in. Pierce with the flick. Taylor with the flick. It's gone in. Oh, Taylor makes it two for the end. And towards near post to Taylor. Little flick. Surely. Yeah. Got it. Slow run up from Lyle Taylor, a huge moment here at Oakwell. He gets up to the ball now, he hits it with his right foot, and he scored! And Lyle Taylor gets his third goal of the season and bring the Addicts back onto level terms. It's Barcy 2, Charlton 2. Williams, ball inside to Gallagher, it's good. Gallagher shooting shots. Gallagher yeah! Taylor slowly walks, still now into the pens here. Lyle Taylor up against the goalkeeper. Taylor steps up. Strike yeah. scores! Calm as you like from Lyle Taylor. And Charlton have that second that they've been dying to get. 
Josh Cullen prepares to take the corner. Swings it in. Ooh. He's come towards Lockett! Yeah! Come on, Tom Lockett! Grabs his first and goal! The perfect corner from Josh Cullen. Tom Lockett, the flick. Casilla couldn't keep it out. And Joan have the lead. Forskowski chips it towards the far post. Chris Olley heads it back across. Gallagher with the shot! Yes! Gallagher with the goal! A brilliant work! to Prattley, crosses the ball in, it's a flick from Gallagher, John and back of the head, it's McCauley Bond! Early ball looking for Cullen as well, picked up by oh, well Shinny, but Field gets it back, across to Gallagher, shooting chance, Gallagher goes for it! Oh! Ronan Duchatelet has agreed to sell the club to the East Street Investments. It looks like he's, what, four, five years, his reign of error, as some people are calling it, is over. You know, he's got the foundations to, to go on to be a, a really, really successful club. You know, we've got a great infrastructure, great young manager, um, a great director of football. Um, they've done a great job up until now. We are now. looking forward with our team, with our coach, with our fans uh, to develop the Charlton to be in the Premier League, league very soon, inshallah, with them. What they're saying is it sounds good and this, this, the, the, the club's going to move forward. Um, and, and regarding last night, there was some positive things, there was some strange things. We look to clear this away long, towards the edge of the penalty, it's not a good kick, it was flicked on by Cameron, now we saw on the penalty here, We'll look to take on Chaplin. Cuts inside into his left foot. Deep ball into the penalty area. Pierce, good header. Saw with the chance. Comes back. Green with the shot. Yeah! into it, looking for Taylor, Mpenza gets ahead there but it'll drop to Charlton's striker, into Lapsley, Lapsley to Bond, Bond still on it, Bond and yes! Oh, the good winning for John, George Lapsley returning from injury, has bagged Charlton's third and possibly given Charlton all three points here. Corner of the penalty area, Pierce in front of him, ball back across, easy touch, easy goal. And it's McNair with the finish. And once again, Charlton, the architects of their own downfall. A third defeat in a row sees the Addicts drop into the bottom three for the first time this season with nine games left to go. We stockpiled plenty of points at the start of the season, but we can't seem to panic by a win at this moment in time. The chairman had raped the club with his team. I'm not happy to give my money to the people to rape this money. The club, guys and they take all the money for them to leave a nice bread to get a range rovers 
and use the money for the pitches. You should you should ask Matt Southwell. Guys, he cheat you, he take all the money which I put in the club and it has been gone for his lifestyle. Matt, can you tell us what's happened tonight, please? Do you have a message for the Charlton fans? What's the future of their club? Are you still part of this club, Matt? Have you a message for Tanine? We, we need to talk about something else, of course, that, that's happened um, this week, and that is the fact that all football's been cancelled. I can't believe I'll be 10 minutes from the end of a Charlton Live and have to say that, but we're in a, a really bizarre uh, situation in the world at the moment. Um, the, the, the coronavirus is, is obviously sweeping all over the, the planet. Um, things are going to get worse before they get better. I think that's quite clear. This week, the club lost one of its most dedicated and popular supporters. Seb Lewis lived and breathed Charlton Athletic Football Club. His death, aged just 38, has rocked the addicts' community and has been met with an outpouring of grief from supporters far and wide. Keep going for as long as, long as I can, you know. You know, keep the run going for as long as I can. And if I miss one down the line, I'll start another long run, I'm sure. When we found out about the embargo, I think that was that was obviously a worry because we was in January and we, you know, all through November, December, you talk about your recruitment and what you need to help you kick on in January. Um, and then when when we found out about the embargo and that actually we wasn't going to be able to sign anyone, um, it was a, it was a concern and a worry because that's not what we'd been told. Um, at the start of the week, it became clear that there's three players who aren't going to be doing that for us. Um, David Davis is on loan from, from Birmingham City. Um, but, I mean, there, there, there was a, a couple of names in, in, in that list that I think have surprised. And uh, Chris Solly being one. And again, hasn't quite caught the attention uh, like Lyle Taylor has. And so this week, it was announced sort of by the press on Monday evening. Uh, we'd, we'd been expecting like a some sort of takeover exchange of shares some new person owning esi uh, and it was announced towards the uh, the beginning of the week that it's paul, a businessman called paul elliott um apparently this has all been organized by tanoon's lawyer um uh, chris farnell uh, and all of a sudden we're owned by a man called paul elliott um well that, uh, thank god it's all over terry and we can all just go back to normal Hello and welcome to Cholton Life. This is the big match preview and you guys have no idea how bloody good it feels to be saying that again. Far side, Cullen. This one's in the air. It's a little flip gone ahead. Tip back across. From yes, yes, come on. Well buried the goal. Cholton have the lead. Into the centre. Prattley's over the header. And yes, header come on. Cholton have the lead. 11 and a half minutes gone. Another Cullen corner. On the right, Bellingham. Right hand edge of Charlton's penalty here, taking on Prattley to his left. Gets the ball in the box, into there, far save by Phillips. Oh, now it's gone in. And it's all square here at St Andrews. Okay, again, trying. This gets a oh, flick on to Bond. Will he take the shot away? Yeah, yes, That's a lifeline Charlton wanted. A City, if you're not going to win this game, don't lose it. 
Vader controls. He's got Shackleton in the middle, and Shackleton finishes, and it's 4 0. Is there a word coming in? Barnsley are 2 1 up. I'm hearing news that it is all over at Griffin Park, yeah, and Brentford. have lost against Barnsley, so our fate is sealed, sadly. Charlton will be playing in League One next season. If you cut corners, then this is what happens. We still fought to the last day. I don't think it's the time to talk about whether other clubs will be interested in myself. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a hell of a lot of things, Rich, that I, I've not been happy with. And, um, and, and, and more things of late, re recently have, have happened that's even made me even more so not, not happy with, with things that are happening here. And, and, and at times I just felt like that this job was impossible. It became impossible at times. Even when you've had all that, you still got the chance to stay in the division and we never grabbed it. That's what hurts me more than anything. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 